Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Welcome back to The Defiant Spirit, Baruch Levy, also known as B. Thank you for tuning in. I want to talk to you today about one of my favorite, favorite, favorite topics. I know I've spoken about it before. I know I'm going to speak about it again. It is simply that important to me personally and professionally. And I'm just going to share with you a little more personal. Um, I've shared it before in many talks, but also in my book, Spark Seekers, I'm not shy about sharing it. And when I was a rabbi back in the day, my one of my congregants came up to me afterwards and said, you need to uh, stop talking about this. And so what did I do? I'm an Enneagram 8. So I doubled down and I talked about it even more because it was uncomfortable for him and for them. But my job is not to make people comfortable. It is to, um, as I was once told, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And I sometimes forget to do the former, but I'm pretty good at doing the latter. So let me afflict the comfortable. But let me um, give you a little context before I afflict you. I began a podcast a couple episodes ago with my good friend, friend and uh, I almost said friends, uh, my good friend and business partner in the Meaning Academy, Dr. Daniel Franz. And Dr. Dan is a logotherapist. And so we are, we've created the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy. I'm very proud of that and really excited to continue our work, build this out together. So in, in addition to the Divine Spirit, as you can see behind me, I've got the Meaning Academy. If you're watching, if you're not watching behind me, there's a sign. This is the Meaning Academy. And then the other side is the Divine Spirit. So both of them come from Frankel and they're about Frankel. One is my counseling, coaching, consulting practice, the Divine Spirit. And the other is the Academy where we're going to be teaching these ideas. Um, so we did a podcast. I think our first kickoff, official kickoff, we've been doing podcasts for well over a year now together, but our first official Meaning Academy podcast, I opened up with a question that Viktor Frankl asked himself every day in the camps. He was a Holocaust survivor, as, as I'm sure many of you know, and um, he asked it of himself, and he asked it of patients afterwards. Father of Logotherapy, Meaning Center Therapy, begins with this question. It's not an easy question, and I even got an email back saying, whoa, that was a harsh question to start with. But it's an important question. And he would say to his um, clients, why don't you commit suicide? And he wouldn't say it to be provocative. Maybe he did. But he would say it because by the fact that they're, they're talking to him means that they have chosen every single moment of every single day to stay alive. And what he would do is he would build on that to, um, to continue their journey on living. No matter what you're going through, no matter how dark it might be, the fact is that you're still here, you're still listening, you're still looking, you're still in the game, you're in the conversation, means you've chosen to stay alive. Now we got to get to the why, because as Frankel said, quoting Nietzsche, he who has a why can endure anyhow. we got to get you back to your why, 
to build on your why, to live your why, so that you don't just survive, which is a starting point, but that you can learn to thrive. And that's why he would begin with such a raw and painful, harsh question to get to the why as quickly as possible. So it's personal to me on many levels, not the least of which is um, my father didn't answer that question. My grandmother didn't answer that question. They didn't come up with the why and they ended up completing committing suicide. And it was and continues to be tragic on so many levels. What they took from the world, what they took from me, what they took from their loved ones was indescribable and irreplaceable. And so I've spent the past, well, 25 years professionally, and then 16, 17 years since my dad killed himself, trying, attempting to help people find their why, live their why, answer that question with the affirmative, here's why I don't kill myself, because, and you know, everybody coming up with their own why, and it's not a static why, it changes over time, but in my experience, <clears throat> the form changes. It's sort of like a vision statement in the business, work with a lot of businesses, the vision statement doesn't change. The mission statement can change, um, certainly the, the way we go about doing things changes, but our essence, our core, it doesn't change. It hasn't changed since we were a little boy or little girl. It, to me, one of the things I do when I'm doing personal counseling or executive coaching in business settings is I help people find their, um, I used to call it their soul thread. In business settings, I'm a little more mindful that it takes a little time to make people feel comfortable around spirituality. So I call it your logos line. Logos means meaning. So your logos line or your soul thread. And what that is, is that's your that's your why. That's your constant. Whereas all the variables of your life change. Outward form changes. Look, this didn't always look this way. Used to have hair. Used to have less, you know, stomach. That changes. But there's an essence in me. Frankel, Dr. Frankel calls it your nuos, your spirit. Call it whatever you want. There's this line that has um, been a thread throughout your entire life. And our work is to get back to that line, to get back to your logos line, to get back to your soul thread. And thinking back when you were five years old or one of your earliest memories, three years old, when, when sort of the first time we can fully remember, somewhere between three and five maybe, getting back to those memories. And you start pulling out, teasing out, those memories, and then look at, you know, 10, 15, 25, 30, 55, 75, you can see the logos line, you can see the soul thread woven throughout the entirety of your life. And so helping people get back to that logos line, because when the circumstances of life batter you, especially as we're in the after and when we're in the afternoon of life, the second part of our life, and we can't lean on the things that got us through the first part of life, our looks, our energy, our connections, our talents, whatever it might be. Those things are variables. They change over time. We got to get back to the core, the, the nuts and bolts, the logos line, that thing that will be with us till our dying breath and find it and name it and explore it to tease it out. So I work with people to get back to your logos line, to your soul thread. And what happens invariably in my counseling with people is you watch them come alive. I don't care what you're going through when we meet. And I don't meet people who are just, you know, coasting along, having a good old time with no care in the world. 
I've had a few people, I've had more than a few people reach out to me in that place. They tend to be Enneagram 7s, not always. Um, Enneagram 7s, the, um, the enthusiast. And they're very sincere about self-help and the next thing. But unless they've hit what I call the shattering, one of those life crossroads that brings you to your knees, they don't last. They don't stick around. And so I don't work with them. I tell them to come back to me. Now I'm very, you know, comfort the or afflict the comfortable with them and say, you know, I care about you. I respect you. I just won't work with you. And come back to me when you've had a shattering. Sometimes they're quite taken aback. I've had, literally said that to a few people and they don't know what I mean. I said, exactly. So come back to me when you know what it means. Because I'm not your guy. I, I'm not. It's a waste of your money, right? It's a waste of your time and energy and money and mine to work with you until you've hit that pain point, until you've been brought to your knees, until you realize you, ain't none of us getting out of this alive and suffering is real and our job isn't to outrun it, to out um, to outmaneuver it, to create more money, to create more opportunity, to lose some more weight, to get the next uh, plastic surgery, whatever it is. There's only one way through it, and that's through it. And Enneagram 7s in particular, though we all can do this, want to go around it, want to go above it, go backwards, but you got to go through it. How do you go through it? By getting in touch with your core, with getting in touch with those values that have not changed. And so part of our work is we root down in your core values. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who don't know their core values. I'm not talking platitudes. I'm not talking, um, you know, Hallmark card notions. For instance, one client I work with, their, their logos revolves around responsibility. Now, that can be a platitude of be responsible. No, not for him. His responsibility goes back to childhood when he didn't grow up in a home where he had a one of his parents was very irresponsible. And he took on the role of being the parent, of being the responsible one. And he hated it. He struggled with it because he didn't want to be, understandably, he wanted to be playful. He wanted to be a child and uh, carefree, but he, he didn't have that luxury, didn't perceive that he had that luxury. And so responsibility. And at every step of the way, responsibility, he's had this love-hate relationship with it. And so one of his foundational core values is responsibility. And for the past year, we've been just digging into what is responsibility and what is yours to be responsible about and what is not yours. And is it really responsible to take on things that aren't yours? Is that really? And so we just have built his entire world around this stake in the ground, responsibility. That's not mine. That's a piece of mine, but that's not mine. Mine is, comes to truth. Is it true? You know, I just, I revolve around this word and I can look back to my childhood and see a truth component in my teenage years. doesn't mean I always lived up to it. doesn't mean I always told the truth. I, I am period of time, I was a big liar. Um, so we can grapple with it in the opposite way, but finding that logos line and coming back to it, it's why I'm not a rabbi anymore. I, I couldn't do it. I'm still rabbi and a congregational rabbi because I didn't feel like I was in my truth teaching this beautiful tradition, but I wasn't living it. I, I don't see it as fully mine. I'm a spiritual mutt. I wanted to be a spiritual mutt, but again, I couldn't stand up there and be a spiritual mutt while doing more Buddhism and yoga, Hinduism and other isms and not Judaism and be paid for 
um, to be a representative of this community. I couldn't do it anymore. And so I let it go. I handed it over to somebody else. It took me a long time to get there. Um, and I felt liberated and free. I'm still a Jew. I still am grounded and anchored in it. It's my soil. But my point is, is that I really have grappled with this idea of what is true because I can't live a life that's not true. I was actually going to do a different conversation around um, another piece of my dad and my grandmother and other people I counsel. And we'll, we'll do this in two parts. So I want to stick with this conversation today of the Logos line, your soul thread. And then in the next one, I want to get to what happens when you lose your, your, your connection with that line, with that thread. We, um, we can't go to the mirror. So part one is the Logos line. Part two is the man or the woman in the mirror. So coming back to your soul thread, your Logos line, when you feel untethered in your life, um, you have to come back to what is true, what, is, what anchors you, what is an immovable object, your North Star. Everybody has one. Everybody. I don't care how far you have strayed. I don't care what you are going through. We all have one. For Frankel, in the Holocaust, his was... As he said, he was once asked, what's your why? And he said, my why is to help other people discover and live their why. Well, he, um, he had everything taken from him, as I've shared many times, and I'll share many more times. His wife was murdered. His unborn child was murdered. His parents were murdered. His brother was murdered. His family, his friends, his community. The one last thing he had going into the camps, his wife had sewn into his coat his manuscript, which later became Doctor and the Soul, his sort of magnum opus. A Man's Search for Meaning is his most popular book, but the Doctor and the Souls, his most um, comprehensive book, I think probably the best book, but only if you're interested in logotherapy. And he had the manuscript sewn, or at least there was a precursor to that book, sewn into his coat. And then the last thing that he had, that of any semblance of his humanity. I mean, everything was taken. They, they shaved his head. They shaved his eyebrows. They, they shaved his body. He says in Man's Search for Meaning, all he had left was his naked existence. But prior to that, the one last thing he had was his um, manuscript. And then they took, his, they took his jacket. They took his coat. They took his manuscript. And he had nothing left. And so during the Holocaust... One of the things that kept him sane, that kept him surviving, to move forward, to, um, to live out his why, was he knew he had to reconstruct that manuscript so that other people could benefit from it. And that was his, that was his logos line. It was with him from beginning to the middle to the end. His entire life, you know, that thread runs through his life. What's your manuscript? What's your thing? It can be, uh, and, and it wasn't about the manuscript. It was about what was behind it. The, the, the need to help other people discover their why was his why, right? That act of duty, of service. What's your Logos line? And so thinking about it, not just where you are right now, because when I oftentimes work with people at life's crossroads, they're untethered. They don't have that connection. I was just working with somebody going through divorce. I think divorce is one of the things in life that we don't appreciate unless you've gone through it and and every divorce but especially the darker divorces how it untethers you from everything you thought you knew was true everything you built your life around you've defined yourself by lots of people i work with are you know they've lost themselves in the marriage 
and they need to get out of the marriage. But at that point, they don't know where to put the, their foothold. And so we find that stepping stone, that, that line to help tether them by going back, going back early in the marriage, going back to prior to the marriage, to childhood, and anchoring ourselves in those core values, in that logos, in that meaning that was there when they were five and 15 and 25 and 55. Get back to that. Um, reorient ourselves back to that. It's a North Star, right? If you're lost at sea, you gotta, and you're, you know, you don't have uh, technology, you can navigate by the stars. Same experience in my work guiding other people. You can navigate by your values, by your logos, but you gotta find it again. You gotta orient yourself back towards it again. And so looking backwards and tethering ourselves to it, Parker Palmer, teacher of mine, tells a story in um, one of his books, I can't remember which one, but all of his books are amazing, about the Midwest and the snowstorm, the farmers in the 1800s. They would have these whiteout snowstorms. They still do. But, you know, back in the day, no technology, whatever. He had to get from the house to the barn. And there were stories about... Um, farmers who died. They just lost their way in a whiteout. If you've ever been in a whiteout. I grew up in Nebraska. There were whiteouts. I remember them. We don't have them so much here in Colorado, believe it or not. I think up in the mountains they do, as an aside. They would they would die. They would be like feet from the house, so close to the house, but they couldn't see it and they would just end up dying. So what did they do? They would tie the, a, um, a rope around their body and they would go out to the farm, the barn, and then they would find their way back to the house holding onto this rope. That's what the logo slime is. It's your tether. It's been tethered to you since you were came into this world. I believe it's tethered to the next world. I believe that this logo line is with us through existence. You haven't changed from life to life. Yes, I believe in um, in multiple lives and in that uh, the continuation goes on, and that whatever that next form is, I don't know if it's a human form or if there's some other reality that I just can't conceive of yet. When I get there, the Logos line will look the same. My essence, in Kabbalah, we call it your neshama. That doesn't change your spirit, your soul. And so getting back to that, because when you are out at the storms of sea and they're tossing and turning you, that is the only way to navigate. Don't navigate by looking around you at your circumstances. They lie to you. They tell you to go and directions that aren't good for you. I see this all the time in the afternoon of life. People want to revert to what they know from the morning of life. So for instance, a um, person I was working with in divorce, they want to get onto a dating app. They never, the internet wasn't a thing when they were dating last, let alone being on a dating app. And now they feel like it's time for them to start dating again. And so they were talking to me about exercise and getting in shape and getting this, that, and the other done to their body. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's everything right with taking care of yourself. I'll argue changing your appearance, but I have no judgment towards it. I just want to help people get back to their essence. But yeah, so I said, yes, you know, like hire your trainer and go to the gym and do those things if you feel that that's how you want to express yourself in the world. But that's not enough. That's a morning of life rule because there you can't, you can't do it forever. There's diminishing returns, right? You're not going to have the six pack. I don't... And if, and if you are 60 years old and you have a six pack, I would argue that you're probably placing too much attention on the body and not enough attention on 
more important things in the afternoon of life. It's a fine line. So we talked about, yes, get ready in those ways, but get ready by getting back to your core values. Let's get those values anchored down so that when you meet him or her, um, you'll, you won't lose yourself this time. You know, they're an Enneagram 9. Enneagram 9s, peacemakers. I work with tons of 9s in the afternoon of life because they feel like they've lost their voice. They've lost their, their, their message, their mission. And so we help them get back to those core values so that whoever they meet on wherever, uh, you know, cupid.com, I don't know, whatever, wherever they meet them, whoever it is, that it'll be on their terms. It'll be their core values. It'll be their logos. This time they will bring a whole self and it won't be two halves making a whole. It'll be two holes coming together and create something synergistic. But you can only get there if you know who you are, if you're grounded down into the soil of your values and if you're committed to holding on to this rope, to this logos line, to anchors you to your barn, to your soul and not letting go. And so that's the work that we do at every point in life, but especially in the afternoon of life. So if you're listening to this, we'd love to talk to you and work with you on your logos line, on your soul thread to figure out what it is to anchor ourselves around it, to ground down into it and to move forward based on it and it alone, to navigate by that North Star that was, is and will always be you. In the next podcast, as I mentioned, we'll get into my original idea, which was the man or the woman in the mirror. And really, that's what happens when we lose our connection to our soul thread, to our logos line. So we'll get there. Stay tuned, part two. But for now, discover and live your logos line and ultimately defy your number and live your spirit. And that's what this podcast and that's what my work is here to help you do. So I will see you over at thedefiantspirit.org. Don't forget to check out the meaning academy.com. You can get all of that, uh, everything that I'm talking about um, by finding your way to one of those two websites. And I look forward to talking to you in the next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant Spirit.